Welcome to the pollsters. I'm Margie O'Meara, Democratic pollster with GBAO. And I'm Kristen Soltis Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insights. And each week we bring you the polls, driving the latest news in politics, tech, and pop culture. So last week was career day at my daughter's school. She's seven. And I volunteered for this because I have this like aspiration that it's important for somebody to see my job I don't know even though it's not like an upholsterer yes in case they want to get into the exactly the burgeoning field of upholstery fabricating furniture so I went to um they had a green room for all the parents and amazing <laughs> and all the parents amazing. <laughs> and all the parents and they gave some advice which I felt like honestly it was like a little late to give this advice since it was like we were in the green room and should be already prepared but they're like Show them anything, even a stick, <laughs> like as if they're like dogs. And all the other parents came in some kind of outfit, like for their job. So one guy was wearing like a hard hat and a construction thing. There was a guy on a horse who was a policeman who came on his police horse. There was a guy because it's Tacoma Park with long hair and a guitar. <laughs> and there was another woman who had a bunny because she worked with animals. And I'm like, I had a notepad with like different colored sticky notes because we were going to like do some qual and quant and uh but i did not i was like i, I felt like I, I, maybe my job was not as you know didn't have as cool visuals for every, as other folks had and i texted one of my friends who was coming later who's a reporter and i'm like you need to bring a stick like this <laughs> like, you need to have something like they they said to bring something and he's like i don't have i have nothing <laughs> maybe i need to take them out to lunch, like a source lunch i'll take everybody <laughs> out for lunch and um so anyway I uh, so I like talked about how we like let's come up with a slogan for first grade. If a Martian came down from space and said, "Tell me what's different about your first grade," what would you tell the Martian? And they're like, "We have toilets and ramps and an elevator." I'm like, "Okay, well, the Martian says all the other first grades already also have toilets." Like, <laughs> so what's distinct? So I had it was tough moderating a group of seven year olds. I have to say, it's like it, those ads. Don't yes, some brands exactly. that do that, right? Like yes. it's funny. Yes. So they're like, we have we like Chromebooks. I'm like, okay. And they're like, we make the teachers cards. I'm like, okay, how about we care about our teachers? Like I had to really kind of round up from yep. their things. So anyway, and then we voted and Lucy was my like deputy helping count out with all the different sticky notes. And we had a winning slogan, which I didn't think was that catchy, but that's what the people seem to want, which basically just like kind of rattled off their like top hits like math and PE and karate. <laughs> uh, that sounds pretty fantastic. <laughs> that was kind of the top slogan. Anyway. Um, so I have a present for Lucy. Oh, what's that? Um, because you mentioned last week that she was into list making. Totally. That she had already begun making a list yes. of things she wanted for her birthday. So I'm jumping the gun. I'm Ooh. getting her like a... Is it a half... It's not really a half birthday. It's, it's still too long even for half birthday, but... Yeah. Oh, my goodness. This is part of Kristen's, like, I'm going to be better about gift giving thing. <gasps> oh, this is incredible. She is going to go bananas. It's a notepad oh, with that is, is so sweet. I have that exact notepad on my desk. So Lucy and I have matching notepads It is now. It, a list that goes up to 12, like 12 rows, and each is in a different pastel color. Like, this is, you know, 
seven-year-old girl and, you know, 35-year-old woman. 35-year-old woman. <laughs> material. Yes. Uh, and I also I'm use my husband a might also glitter like gel this. pen. I also use a glitter oh, gel pen. Oh, that is so, so yes. sweet. So I'm, I'm hoping, encourage Thank the list you. making. That and, great. you know, she can use that to take notes when she's moderating a focus group yes. or what have you. Yeah. I've been doing, like, list, like, sticker rewards to, on what everybody in the household needs to improve. And she's like trying to like how can I beat the house at whatever this game is you know like adding codes to it and stuff so she definitely has a feature as a moderator and afterwards I was like oh so at the end of my presentation I'm like so does anybody think they want to be a pollster now and they're like (laughs) maybe maybe maybe. and then Lucy's like it's a good thing you went first mom because uh, then nobody was bored after listening to all the other, you know, because there were so many others. And if they, you had been last, people might have been bored. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, she is giving you an honest no, piece of feedback. Feedback <laughs> is a gift. And I felt very appreciative of that gift. <laughs> <laughs> Did I miss anything fun on Twitter this week? Um, fun on Twitter? No. <laughs> Sad and angry on Twitter? Yes. I mean, there were lots of people expressing sadness over the Notre Dame Mm -hmm. and sharing their own pictures. Lots of people expressing anger over the New York Times story about Neera Tandon. And I am team Neera all the way. Certainly not team calling up people's parents because Lord knows what my dad would say of a New York Times reporter <laughs> or anybody, even me, asked me asked him his opinion. Mom and Dad, I texted you yesterday <laughs> upon reading this and said, if you are ever contacted by a reporter, please do not respond. You have the right to remain silent. You have the right to remain silent. There is no obligation to talk to a reporter ever, ever, ever. So, if you're listening to this, Parents of America. You may think you're doing Time a to great have the talk. thing, Time to and you're have the talk. helping your child by saying because I will. I, I was texting Margie that the quotes in the New York Times article were making me really love her mom so much, it and that's it exactly was, the sort of thing people say to their parents, but that you don't necessarily. It's it's. Want I mean, it was outrageous. It was outrageous. So um. So anyway, it was outrageous. But lots of people talking about that on Twitter. I looked. I was like, did I miss? I mean, did I miss something? I was like, what am I going to tell Kristen happened on Twitter? But, I mean, it was just like lots of Game of Thrones, lots of Notre Dame, and lots of People Man in the New York Times. Yep. It's been very weird watching Game of Thrones and not having that instant, like, what does the world think? What am I supposed to think? I've just had to cope with just listening to my extensive series of Game of Thrones podcast content. I've got another like two hours waiting for me when I leave the studio. I'm super excited. the The Bald Move Game of Thrones podcast is my, my like mm. lifeblood for the next few. weeks. Oh, two kind of DC announcements. Miwa is closing. I just saw that on Twitter, and uh, Meridian Pint is closing. And Meridian, I was never really that big of a fan of Miwa, but I and I wasn't that big of a fan of Meridian Pint. But it, I used to live like two blocks from mm-hmm. it, so I did have you know it was required to go a lot. So. Those I feel are like sad local things. I I got a sad news from Gainesville, Florida Gators. If you are listening, this is I'm putting up the bat signal. Saw a story this morning that the Swamp Restaurant is going to be knocked down and turned into condos. It is an icon. It's like this like little old Florida house right across the street from campus, directly across the street from the Political Science Building. And it is where mm. 
memories are made. It it was like the iconic place of my college years. And it had been there forever and it was supposed to be there forever. Oh, and now it's going to be condos. Memories. No, no. I want the swamp. <laughs> so gators, we need to Drain fight the swamp. to preserve. The swamp was drained. No. <laughs> not that swamp. Never drain that swamp. Okay, so. this show is not just whatever's on our minds. We have things to discuss. We do. There, there was some polling this week. Uh, the top lines are uh, the Mueller redacted report is coming out tomorrow. Well, I don't know when you're going to be listening to this. It's Wednesday morning for us. You're going to be getting the Mueller redacted report sometime soon. We have a little It'll bit of- It'll be out between the time we're recording this and the time you're listening to this. We have some polling from Margie's Navigator crew on what people think about this report now that it is the summaries out, but not the report itself. We've got some 2020 Dems talk, perceptions of changes in discrimination in America. Pew has some new research on what people like and dislike in government spending. Some kind of sad polling on where people do or don't feel safe these days. And we'll wrap up with a little bit of methodologically shoddy polling on Actually, I don't know that. I only know that because I saw that it was a tweet posted in the show notes. So I assume was this a Twitter poll? I don't. I don't, know. I don't wanna I don't wanna besmirch this poll before I actually Yeah, read too I think much it's it. I mean, you know. It was a poll about who should sit on the Iron Throne. Yeah, I mean I didn't we will I, discuss. I didn't look closely at their sample. I always frame. just assume if it's the show the thing that's at the end of our show, it's not. Why would you waste your money doing a methodologically rigorous poll about Game of Thrones? <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like something we would do at Echelon, honestly. <laughs> I mean, like, like spend, don't get another hobby. <laughs> like, that's I that a thousand percent sounds like that's something like, we would do at Echelon. That's like go outside at that point. <laughs> okay. Sorry. So quick check in on President Trump's job approval. It's at about forty. 33.4%. Not a lot of movement. Uh, Margie, what did you find in your Mueller polling? Yeah, so the latest Navigator is coming out this week. Um, and we have a, like a Mueller memo that was in Politico this morning that folks can take a look at. But there'll be more coming out this week as well on some other topics. And so the main thing that I think is there's a couple things that are important. One is this, you know, the message that has come from the White House, that there's been total exoneration has not broken through despite the tweets. Um, It hasn't broken through. So we asked, you know, what best characterizes what has been revealed so far? And more say the report was inconclusive or say it outlined clear wrongdoing or they're not sure what the report said, which is a perfectly valid response since there has the report has not come out. Um, and then a, fewer than a third, 30 percent say the report concluded that Trump was completely exonerated. So fewer that that message hasn't gotten through. We also asked what worries you more, like what concerns you more, that the Trump administration will get away with corruption and unethical behavior or that Democrats will go too far and abuse oversight powers. And a majority now, more than in the past when we've asked this question, say they are worried that Trump will and uh, Trump administration officials will get away with corruption and unethical behavior. So a majority say that now. More independents agree with that statement, say that that worries them more than that Democrats will go too far. So um, that's something, I think, to keep an eye out. And then we also asked this question about 
other investigations, and this is something we talked about uh, focus groups that I did a couple weeks ago, and we had a question in this poll um, about like what about other entities, other investigations, and a majority say, yep, this is um, Congress should keep investigating. The special counsel investigation is only one of many mounting investigations, uh, and with these other things going on by U.S. attorneys, et cetera. The American people deserve answers. Congress should keep investigating. A majority agree with that. Um, 63% of independents agree with that compared to the other side of that statement. So one of those forced choice questions. Those who say the special counsel investigation is finished. He's been completely exonerated. There's been no collusion. So, you know, that's that's the end. Everything else now is a witch hunt. Fewer people agree with that side of the equation. So I... Uh, my one question about question wording on this is in that one where you have the two statements where one says, you know, who do you agree with more? And the one says, those who say the special counsel investigation is finished, President Trump has been completely exonerated with no collusion or obstruction of justice by the president. The other one starts with those who say the special counsel is only one of, me- of many mounting investigations against Trump's administration and his inner circle. I feel like that that second one, like it is a fact, like them or not, it it is the case that the special count that like that was just one of many investigations. Does that put a thumb on the scale at all that like the one kind of begins with a message about like those who say no collusion versus those who say there are many investigations happening because the many investigation is happening. Like that's not a message. That's like a fact. Too. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I hear what you're saying at the same time that, you know, they both. There's end a lot of this, other stuff. In they it, both sure. like are, what What are we mirror? What are we testing here? And we are testing the two different things you might hear about mm-hmm. this. And the other side is, in fact, what you're hearing <laughs> from the president and from a lot of and from some media outlets. It is what you're hearing. Right. So, in, I mean, the fact that there's things in there that are not true does not stop the president from saying them. So you are testing what people are hearing and saying which of these things are closer to what you agree with and what makes sense for you. And, you know, and a majority, whether it's overall or independents, agree with the first sign. I would be interested to know, I mean, so if the one message, if on the one side is the president saying no collusion, no exoneration, I would like to know how that stacks up against what is kind of the the messagey version of there's no there's evidence in plain sight no matter what even if Mueller said no collusion or even if it it doesn't find it to come to a criminal level there's still plenty of evidence and like that that kind of contrast about the I I feel like Mm. sure like people I feel like people always want more information I'd love to know do they think that basically do they think that there is sketchy like how sketchy do they think things are is kind of what I'd be interested in. I mean, we know from other polling that people think things are sketchy, but to me, that'd be kind of interesting to say, like, the no collusion, no obstruction versus, well, but there's still evidence of other sketchy things going on. Um, yeah, I think, you know, let me see if we've tested something exactly on this. I mean, because <sighs> that's kind of like what I hear when you hear, like, Adam Schiff yeah. or somebody talking. It's not just... We're going to get to the bottom of this. It's we've got all other kinds of evidence that's already in plain sight that bad things did. Like, the, the, and it's that almost is a stronger, a stronger mess. You know, more right. forceful message on the other side to see right. how that would break right. down. Right. I mean, uh, you probably get this. You know, you probably get similar numbers since a majority say they're worried that the Trump administration would get away with corruption. Right. That's the now their top worry. You know, you have a majority say like, well, it doesn't. You know, it doesn't actually exonerate. You know. Ex- Trump is not exonerated. He may have, um, you know, he may have, 
you know, let's say specifically the report specifically says Trump has not been exonerated. He may have committed obstruction of justice. And these are the things that Nixon was nearly impeached for. And we should continue to have these conversations. I mean, however, you know, there'll be more stuff coming out this week. But, you know, this is these are the kinds of things that, you know, people, however we ask it, a majority are on the side of like, well, this is a thing that we need to really, you know, worry about. Like, obviously, this is, you know. This is a challenge, obviously, yep. as the president is on. Um, you know, they deserve more answers, whether it's abusive power, self-dealing, et cetera. I mean, I, you know, I think the lesson I get from this and from the focus groups is people think much more beyond the special counsel investigation because, you know, people are not necessarily compartmentalizing all the different entities and investigations. It's like there was a lot, you know, and even in the Republicans in the focus groups that we did, um, said, well, you know, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's something. The question was not, is there something? It's that, is it something that they, for Republicans, that they felt, you know, other presidents have done? Does everybody do this? You know, is it something that they just, you know, wanted to hear about, or mm-hmm. did they already decide they've made their peace with it because they agreed with him on on other issues, which is what some people said. Um, so, you know, I think that people, there wasn't, there was a sense like, yeah, there's, there's stuff. Yeah, <laughs> stuff. It's just a question of how much and whether I'm interested in people figuring it out. So let's talk for just a second about 2020. Um, Some fresh polling out from Emerson, uh, where they take a look at Democratic primary and caucus goers, although this just says national RV. So I assume is this just Democratic registered voters? I mean, I'm sure it's just self-identified Democratic registered voters. I mean, let's see. Does it say that whether or not it they... It says the poll was conducted April 11th through 14th of Democratic primary voters with a subset of N365. So I guess it's not 100% clear. Are they self-ID'd? Do they have a... I'm taking a look here. Do they have a past? Data was, it was collected... IBR and online. Ooh, and Amazon Turk. Yeah. Is the online poll interesting? Huh. Okay. okay. Does that mean so? For have you ever used mechanic? We've we've used Mechanical Turk for like we need to code things. If you mm-hmm. need like, if you need like lots of you need human brain power rather than a computer to like sort. Okay, is this positive or negative? You can use something like Mechanical Turk, and it pays people like a you know a couple cents for everything they code or something like that. I believe in the early days of Echelon, we used that when we had limited people power, and you could get a. But I, I've, I don't. I'm curious about using it as like your survey sample. That's interesting. I'll have to investigate more into this. Hmm. Um, but what they're finding is that Bernie Sanders, in this methodology, is in the lead, 29 percent, followed by Joe Biden at 24 percent. Uh, trailing that is that sort of next tier, the second tier of Pete Buttigieg. Beto O'Rourke, Kamala Harris, and Elizabeth Warren with nine to seven points each. Then there's that next bucket, which is Julian Castro. Um, Andrew Yang, 3%. Yang Mentum. Um, <laughs> Cory Booker at 2%. Swalwell at 1%. Klobuchar at 1%. RIP all my hot takes, my hot Amy Klobuchar takes um, so far. <laughs> there haven't been any debates yet. There haven't been any debates yet. Uh You've got Kirsten Gillibrand at zero. You've got John Hickenlooper at zero, Jay Inslee at zero. This is, it's, I mean, there's a lot of people running. I suppose this is one methodology that allows you to test all these different people who are running or potentially running. Um, Again, don't read too much into it. But I wonder, sort of looking at that methodology, IVR plus 
however you're doing this Amazon Turk sample, if that sort of skews more toward that online Dems right. that we talked about last week. Right. And there are going to be people who, I mean, look, it's interesting. And obviously they're qualifying and people cover them, right? You, you, people, the debates are a national survey will allow candidates to qualify to participate in the debates. But um, with a national poll, you don't know if they are actual primary voters in that state. Are they qualified primary voters in that state? Because right. it's going to depend from state to state, et cetera, et cetera. Um, still, you know, so that's one of the challenges with the national polling. And I think the online piece, I mean, are you now taking all that together, kind of overstating that, well, it has IVR, so those are going to be landline. Yep. Um, so you don't just have the online only folks. You have... That's you know, true. Because some of the national polls are on, are all online. Yep. There is also another poll we have here that hmm. is Daily Coast. It says, if Daily Coast decided the presidential race. Uh, and these are interesting numbers because it's a huge sample size. They're very upfront about the fact that it's not a representative right. sample of voters. But it, it is kind of neat to see who is surging and who is falling amongst this kind of ever, ever fluid sample. Bernie Sanders went from 11 percent back at the beginning of January to 40 percent now among the Daily Coast Look crowd. Look at Joe Biden. Joe Biden went from 14 down to five. Beto went from 15 down to three. Uh, lots of sort of selling of that stock. Um, you've had Unsure has dropped from nine to three. So, you know, slightly more people feeling sure. <laughs> uh, Mayor Pete, though, went from not even being asked, to being 21%. He's in second place in this Daily Coast poll. Well, that is like the most volatile of all these things that I've seen. But, you know, look, I am, I mean, we talk about it. Obviously, we have to talk about it. But I am not a fan of like pouring over the national churn of the 2020 primary field. I know. I mean, I'm going to do it. I have to do it, but I'm not a fan of it. Because <laughs> it's all kind of useless until the first debate yeah. happens. And then people actually begin to form real opinion. I mean, bro- the broader public begins, who people who do not go to every town hall in Iowa or every diner in New Hampshire to meet every candidate, this is how they begin forming their views. Right. So, Okay. Well, why don't we take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll dive into two big new polls out from Pew this week. Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online, so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google certificates. All right, we are back and talking about uh, some new polling from Pew. They put out two new polls this week, one on discrimination and one on government spending. We'll tackle the discrimination one first. Um, They've been asking people, to what extent do you believe there is a lot or some discrimination against various groups in our society. The last time Pew asked these questions, or rather what they're comparing it to, is uh, 2006 to now. What has changed? Um, They find that the biggest jump in groups who are the the public feels is being discriminated against 
is Jews, having gone from 44% up to 64%, saying that there is a lot or some discrimination against them in our society today. Yeah. So growing awareness of anti-Semitism. Yeah. Well, growing awareness, there have been a variety of very clear incidents. Well, sure. I mean, higher visibility, I suppose. Like, that it's more it's more prominent and present would yeah. perhaps be the better way. Yeah. Explain it. Yeah. Um, that's been the biggest jump, a very clear jump. There have been a couple other places where there was a little bit of movement, a little bit of movement that Hispanics facing discrimination, movement that women were facing discrimination, a little bit of movement that evangelical Christians were facing discrimination. Men were not asked in 16. They were, I'm assuming it's not that that means they it was not asked as opposed to that zero percent said in 16 that men face discrimination. Now it's 39 percent. So that's the group that's seen as least likely to face discrimination. Then they have um, all these breakouts by party with, I guess, predictable results of where people are by party. More in the intensity rather than in the overall sense of whether or not these groups face discrimination. So if you look at, for example, Muslims, is there a lot or some discrimination against Muslims in our society. 69% of Republicans say a lot or some. 92% of Democrats say a lot or some. That doesn't seem like that big of a difference, but look at the difference among the folks who say a lot. Among Republicans, 34% say a lot. Among Democrats, 75% say a lot. So you see that pattern for all of these, whether you're talking about blacks, gays and lesbians, Hispanics, women, but huge difference. Jews, there's not as much of a difference by party in that intent, the intensity compared to some of these others. Uh, and men, 48 percent of Republicans feel men face discrimination compared to 27 percent of Democrats. Well, it's interesting that the number women, it's 52 percent of Republicans think that women face discrimination. I wondered, what it, are there is there any folks that said, yes, I believe both men and women are discriminated against? Mm-hmm. Are there any folks that said, no, I don't think that there's discrimination on either front? Because the numbers kind of match up where for women it's 52, for men it's 48. What do those crosstabs look like? Um, but yeah, the, the biggest one where Republicans are much more likely than Democrats to think there is discrimination is evangelical Christians. 70% of Republicans say they believe there is a lot or some discrimination there compared to only 32% of Democrats. Yeah. I mean, that's the group that Republicans are most likely to say face discrimination. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the other big makes poll... Me sad. That, <laughs> which makes me sad. <laughs> well, I mean, look, I, I think that there are... It's much more common nowadays to like see a portrait of evangelical Christians being like that they're being made fun of in pop culture where like that would be unacceptable. Like if you had something where you were trying to make fun of Muslims these days, like that would be unacceptable. And for, you know, that that like the boundaries of who is and isn't off limits, I think nowadays it is true that you someone in public, a public figure can like say bad things about evangelical Christians and like it's there's no penalty for it. So in defense of the Republicans sure. who view that, I don't think it's the I, biggest not, problem facing right. the that's, country, that's the, but it's I, I don't think they're crazy for saying that. So I understand and agree that people can feel, you know, I think, I mean, well, look, part of this is what's your own perspective, right? And if your perspective is like, well, I'm closer to evangelical Christians and also Republicans are disproportionately likely to be evangelical mm-hmm. Christians and Democrats. So that's their worldview as opposed to feeling and experiencing discrimination from these other groups that Democrats are more likely to feel for a variety of reasons. It's not just only party differences in, in point of view. Um, and none of this is like what's the most important problem facing the country. But to me, I mean, it's, it's clear that these other groups face more structural and legal 
discrimination than evangelical Christians. And so the fact that, you know, there's a, you know, the party that has a lot of power in our, in our country feels that like the most discrimination that's happening in our country is to evangelical Christians compared to these other groups. It's not that it's not happening. You know, the, uh, I, I totally take your point about the cultural sense. Um, but to have less than an awareness of the discrimination that other groups feel is what is the part that saddens me. Not that that number is high, is that the other numbers are lower. So the Pew on spending poll then dives into where do the different parties agree or disagree on what government should or should not increase spending on. Um, There's some pretty interesting findings here. Overall, they find that large majorities of Americans want to increase spending on education, veterans benefits, rebuilding highways and bridges. Ah, the ever-present infrastructure week. (laughs) Infrastructure week is every week. Uh, (laughs) Medicare, 55% say they'd like to increase spending. Page three of my presentation that I never got to give. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, Environmental protection, 55% say let's increase spending. Healthcare, 53%. Scientific research, 52%. Um, Very few things where there is a marked um, number of people saying decrease spending. The highest would be assistance to the needy in the world at 28% saying that we should decrease spending there. Assistance to the unemployed, 23% saying let's decrease spending there. Military defense, 23% saying let's decrease spending there. So those are toward the bottom of the list. Obviously, big party gaps on that. So when it comes to uh, veterans benefits, that's the one thing where you have three quarters of both parties in agreement. 72% Republicans, 72% of Democrats say we should make sure we're increasing funding for veterans benefits. Infrastructure is also pretty close, not a big party gap there. Um, Where the party gaps really emerge, again, defense and security issues. Republicans much more likely to say increase spending than Democrats. And then assistance to the unemployed or the needy in the world. Republicans, not big fans of that. Democrats, just under half, say, increased spending. Um, Something like Social Security, scientific research, those are other examples of not terribly polarizing items, but environmental protection, health care, big partisan gaps on uh, those items. And so I know these things are tracking. They've been asking this stuff for a long time. I think these numbers would be different if the phrases were different, like Medicare, no, that would be the same. Like that's that's the way you, you know. You, maybe you could add more words to it because some of these things have. This is just like a question wording digression, right? Assistance to the unemployed, assistance to the needy has like, you know, some kind of action in there. Medicare doesn't have like protecting Medicare or making sure people have you know me- or preserving Medicare for years to come. It doesn't have like some other language. Yep. So it just says Medicare, but still that there isn't another word for Medicare. Ultimately, Medicare that phrase is clear, but assistance to the needy in the world is probably not how folks who are advocating for this might say it. I mean, some might, but you know, folks might say it differently. Assistance to the unemployed. It's the same. Um, military defense. I don't know if someone would say, you know, keeping America safe. Like, I mean, there might be other ways to, you know, are protecting our security, et cetera. Um, scientific research, social security. Some of these things are a little bit more generic, but environmental protection. Does that mean like clean air and clean water? Does it mean, you know, like the FDA making sure our food is safe? Does it mean, you know, tackling climate change? Like it's not totally clear? Yeah, I feel like if they're going for simplicity, I'm, I think they've done a pretty good job yeah. of getting these right because sure. a lot of the, the, the it's ideas... It's hard to get it exactly right. You don't want it to be too messaging. messagey. Yep. And so I think they've done a really good job here of not making it messagey, just leaving it simple, clean, as short as possible is probably the right way to go. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and there, there have been some trend lines in this over time. Um, so they've been asking this. They have data going back to 2001. Uh, I am wondering, it, it is, I assume this was asked after September 11th? I guess, right? It's, it's unclear when in 2001 that first poll was asked, but you have pretty high, really high support for increasing spending on anti-terrorism defense in the U.S. And it, it just says that it was taken in 2001. So and it's it's the increased spending on that front has declined pretty significantly since then. So my assumption is that that poll was taken in like the fall of 2001. Um in terms of uh, veterans benefits and services, there has been only an increase there's been an increase since 2001 in um, how much people would like to increase spending. Military spending, the line isn't flat, but the start and the end point are about the same. That Back in 2001, about 47% wanted to increase defense spending. Nowadays, that sits at about 40%. Yeah, I mean, this is the kind the kind of poll that I know I've heard you say, like, well, you know, it's one thing just to ask people, like, do you support Medicare? Do you support a strong military? you got to ask people about the, you know, do you want to spend the money on it? And yeah. so here it gets a little closer. It's still not like, okay, you have $100. How do you divide yeah, it? Yeah, which you ones know? do you increase spending on? Which ones do you decrease which spending on? Which ones do you on? say, like, you know, we don't need it anymore or whatever. Yeah. Um, so so it not, doesn't require people to make the hard choices. But, no, but, you know, the, people are not – that's what they vote for elected officials to do. But it does at least ask people to kind of evaluate each specific category. And so you can say we should increase all of it. I mean you can, you know, the way this is set up. Or, yeah. you, could, or you could say, well, maybe I shouldn't say increase all of it. Like I wonder what happens – maybe somebody knows the answer to this. Like of course these are going to be randomized. But if you have a really long list – does that change your answers if you have a shorter list? Like at some point, if you're like, oh, I'm now on my seventh one of these, maybe I should start decreasing some of them. I don't know. Like that would be an interesting thing. Is there an effect from having a long list where you feel like maybe I shouldn't say increase for all of this them? This feels like a job for like an AEI Brookings like bromance uh, research project <laughs> where it's it's not – it's a poll, but it's really that you're kind of giving people like a screen where there are sliders of like – if you increase spending here, then you have to increase revenue somehow or you have to cut something else. And so right. what would you cut? I mean, it's just like in like SimCity. It's literally just like in SimCity. Quadratic you voting, cut, I think, is what people do. If you cut the road funding mm-hmm. at all, the roads actually start to fall apart on your screen. If you fund education all the way, they still complain that you haven't funded education enough. If you increase taxes too much, people start to leave your city. You can decide what you want to tax. Right. Like, just... I would love to see like a thousand registered voters do a simulation of like this is what I would fund and this is what I would cut and this is what I would try to do to bring in revenue and yeah. see what the median thing is there. The challenge with that is, um, you know, well, one is funding automatically the same as like doing it better, right? <laughs> as and, a Republican, I would say absolutely not. <laughs> and so that's one thing, right? And also absolutely like is there the some like what's the long view of, you know, investment in something? Like you can spend money on schools now and what does that mean 20, 30 years, 40 years from now yeah. and those exercises. And like the third thing like there are tough choices here that folks are hoping that somebody will just like approach with the same values that they have then doesn't mean that they won't actually do all this themselves. But anyway, um, 
and how the length of the list that's my question how many how many different things do you have to ask people to evaluate and simulate that's true you'd you'd have to find ways to sort of simplify it like five so like, six you know yeah it's tough the what are the make the 12 the 12 appropriations bills like just that's what you're noodling with i don't know Ugh. i don't know well let's take another quick break and when we come back we'll wrap up the show on uh, where do people feel safe and who will be safe in game of thrones Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. According to studies, less than 13% of all inventors who hold a U.S. patent are women. Black and Hispanic college graduates patent at half the rate of their white counterparts. But we can fix that by increasing participation in innovation and patenting by underrepresented groups. It would quadruple the number of American inventors and increase annual GDP by almost $1 trillion. Invent Together is a coalition of organizations, companies, universities, and concerned citizens committed to ensuring that everyone has the opportunity to invent and patent. Because the more diverse the American patent system gets, the stronger and more successful our nation will become. What can you do to help diverse inventors patent and unleash economic opportunity? Find out at inventtogether.org. Learn more and take action today. Okay, we're back. Uh, so this is a kind of pretty depressing poll. Yeah, I think it's the anniversary of Columbine, mm-hmm. and also I think Virginia Tech as well, or Virginia Tech recently, possibly for sure Columbine. I feel like I saw something about Virginia Tech as well, but I could be wrong about that. Before I, I was a freshman in high school when Columbine happened, and I remember the the safety protocols that got put into place at my like large high school was suddenly my sophomore year we all had to wear these ID badges around our neck all the time which I never understood like what that was really achieving safety wise but there was like a real like we have to do something and that was just one of the things like that was like a change at our school after Columbine suddenly you had to wear these ID tags around your neck at all times. Um, but people nowadays, now when you ask, are schools and colleges more or less safe than they were 20 years ago? 67% of people say they think schools are less safe than they were 20 years ago. Churches, synagogues, mosques, and other places of worship, 61% say they're less safe. Colleges and universities, 57% say they're less safe. And there are three options you can choose from here. I mean, that's what makes, I think, these majority responses pretty notable. Yeah. Is they're not just saying more or less. You can also choose just about as safe that... The world's always been dangerous. It's still dangerous. That is for, say, workplaces and office buildings. You get 42% saying that. Public transit, 38% saying that. Sporting events, 40%. But for schools, mosques, colleges, there is an overwhelming sense that they are less safe now than they were 20 years ago. I mean, the only one from this list where people are more likely to say it's more safe than it was 20 years ago than less safe is airports. And that's just by one point. So it's really basically a tie. Mm -hmm. 36% say airports are less safe than 20 years ago. 37% say they're more safe. Um, You know, there's been a tightening in airport security. Airport security looked totally different in 1999. Yeah. I mean, mean, it's, you know, you have... Uh, so that's pretty dramatic. Um, but these other, I mean, the schools and churches and synagogues, colleges, I mean, that's concerts. I mean, obviously, they're, you know, the things on this list are are places where there have been a lot of recent shootings. Um, but still, 
these numbers are pretty, I know, they're pretty upsetting. I mean, you're asking people to kind of think about what it was like 20 years ago. Not every, you know, it's their, it's their sense, you know, it's their sense when they may not have that clear reference point or they may have been younger or they may just be responding to the news rather than their own thoughts or feelings. But these numbers really, I mean, I'm constantly amazed, like these questions we have to ask, like, you know, is the, does the president respect women? You know, um, do you think the president's committed any crime? How confident are you in the ability? Ability to respond to an active shooter. I mean, the, the the poll questions that we ask are like staggering in what they reflect about the things that we're worried about in our culture right now. And that's how I feel about how confident are you in your ability to respond to an active shooter? Schools in your area, your child's school, law enforcement in your community. I mean, this is this upsets me, you know. And you have all these stories of like kids coming home and practicing their active shooter drills that they learned, you know, at like my kid's age. So one of the questions they have in here is how much is to blame for school shootings? Um, 50% say that students bullied by other students, it, that ta- that is a great deal to blame. Availability of guns, 48%. The internet, 36%. Television, movies, music, video games, 33%. Parents, 31 News coverage of similar events, 31 percent. The schools themselves, only 9 percent. I would be interested in comparing this if I, you know, to see what people would have said in the aftermath of Columbine. One of the things that I think and spoiler alert, I don't agree with Michael Moore on a whole heck of a lot, but I actually think that Bowling for Columbine is a really interesting documentary for in no small part because I think he does really fascinating interview with Marilyn Manson because there was all of this talk back in 1999 about like how oh, it's violent video games and it's this terrible satanic music that's causing kids to do these things. And it's a really interesting interview with Marilyn Manson about his music and what would cause a teenager to decide that they're just so that they're just they're willing to go do something like this to their I mean it's it was I was very surprised when I watched it. So, you know, if you haven't had a chance to see it, it came out, you know, almost 20 over less than 20 years ago, but again, I'm not I'm I'm the Republican and Michael Moore and I don't agree on a whole lot of his films. I actually thought Bowling for Columbine was pretty interesting in that part where they talk about like South Park and Marilyn Manson. There's like this middle section about culture that's really interesting. Yeah, I don't remember that interview. I mean, I, now that you mentioned it, I remember that he was interviewed, but I don't remember the details of all sh- at all. I should watch it again. Um a lot of people in this series are blaming everybody or lots of people. It seems like. I mean, the numbers are for mo- you know, Mm-hmm. Most groups are getting a moderate or a great deal of blame here. Yeah. They do ask, do each of the following make schools more or less safe? So practicing those lockdowns and procedures for active threats, 79% think that makes schools more safe. Having metal detectors at school entrances, 75%. Uh, making mental health counselors available, 74%. Having armed guards in the building, 73%. At the bottom of the list is having teachers carry guns in schools after undergoing training. Only 41% think that would make schools more safe. 22% say no difference and 35% say less safe. It's the only measure tested that gets any sort of substantial uh, less safe response. Well, let's talk about Game of Thrones. Oh, God. (laughs) Sorry, I'm very upset by that. Like, okay. All right. Game of Thrones. Okay. Game (laughs) of Thrones. So this was a a poll conducted, okay. It says by the Democratic operative Danny Barefoot, who I have not heard of, but I guess it doesn't mean he's not Anvil Strategies. I mean- it was a flash poll of 506 Game of Thrones watchers. 
well, I don't know why we're analyzing the methodology of the That's end what of I'm show saying. We're, this is, it's not credit donkey. It's credit donkey dot zip. I mean, we're always doing weird polls in this section. Uh, people were allowed to choose among the top eight contenders for the Iron Throne. Um, they find 26% of Game of Thrones watchers believe Jon Snow will be on the Iron Throne, 19% Tyrion Lannister, 17% Daenerys Targaryen, 11% Arya Stark, 8% Sansa Stark. Sansa's the right answer. Well, she's the second best answer, but we'll talk about that in just a moment. Jamie Lannister, 7%. The Night King, 7%. Cersei Lannister. Poor Cersei, bringing up the rear and 5%. The real answer is that they're going to melt the Iron Throne down, guys. <laughs> Daenerys was all, we're going to break the wheel. Even John is kind of like, I don't know that my girlfriend would be such a great queen. Maybe she's a little crazy. I don't know if I want this power because every time people have a lot in common with her, I don't know what it is. Every time people make me leader of something, it goes horribly wrong and everyone tries to kill me. Why don't we just not have a leader in the same way? Let's melt this stupid throne down and try something new. I'm just telling you, I think that's going to be, that's my guess, which was not an option in this poll. However, if the Iron Throne exists, I'm Team Sansa. I think it's going to be her. Because as we discovered in the premiere of this season, she's the only person with a functioning brain right now. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I like the combination of her and Arya. I mean, like, it, it's hard for me to keep. Arya it's hard for me to like, keep. Every, I mean, I mostly have everybody kind of together, but I, I, I have not. I am Arya's not head of security. Of Arya's head of security. She's. She's a she's a super dark trained assassin right now. <laughs> she's not trained in the art the big of statecraft she's not and thinking diplomacy. The big picture. Yeah, she. Yeah. What about that small child who comes in like once that young young lass who's like the head of some minor tribe of some sort? Oh, yes, the the, <laughs> the highly jiffable uh, Liana Mormont. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who's I do who's like her. grown a lot. I'm like, how many between... young children are like heads of their families here? I don't well, understand. Because everybody died. Mm-hmm. I you don't watch the pilot if. Uh, well, there's a really... It's fine. Okay. Um, it's good. You can... So there is a scene where, because all of the adults have been killed in battle, these grand houses are all being led by, like, the 10-year-old who's left in the bloodline. Hmm. And so at the beginning of the episode, they send one of these 10-year-old house leaders to go back to his house like they've all come to Winterfell because the bad guys are coming and they're like go back to your house which is up closer to the wall yes and tell everyone to come back yeah I got that part well it didn't go super great yeah so but I was like there are two 10 year olds and Charlie yeah (laughs) like okay oh so you're watching I watched the first yeah you're you're into this I'm gonna say I'm into it I'm like oh I occasionally watch. I mean, you know, my husband, we're not like fully immersed in like the bananas. You're not listening to six hours of podcasts about it this week like I am? No. Cool. Okay. But, you know, (laughs) just enough to be conversant. That's where I am. Okay. Well, I think you're. I often have to like Google. I'm like, who, what? Like, you know. I do feel like Liana Mormont grew up a lot in like the year and a half between these two seasons. But of course, in Showtime, it's only supposed to have been like three days <laughs> so it's like wait a minute <laughs> Liana Mormont is like significantly older now yeah. <laughs> but that's okay <sighs> so anyway yeah it. I mean so Danny Barefoot says that you know the fact that all men that men are in the top two here it somehow like mirrors our overall 
challenges in, you know, viewing women's leadership. I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not. It could also be that there are more women here in this list, aren't there? So that could be. I mean, the Night King, does the Night King have gender? I don't know. Anyway, so uh, maybe. I, it is implied that it's a dude because it was a guy who, there was a human guy who was turned into him mm. in a scene that still confuses me from like a season or two back. But anyhow, I believe he is gendered and is male. Guys always screwing everything up. <laughs> Sorry. Right. Sorry, even... Richard. <laughs> Richard makes everything hashtag, better. Hashtag not all men. Not all men are the Night the King. men in Game of Thrones make things worse. <laughs> That's uh, the basic cheat sheet there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what's on the trend line this week? Uh, on the trend line this week, I'm going to have Rich Tao back to dig into his engages focus point global focus groups of... Obama Trump voters and who they want to vote for. Mm. Um, apparently, their first choice is like bring back Obama. Yeah. So that's, and these are people that voted for Trump in 2016. So we're going to discuss. Um, and then I'm going to have on uh, Claire Malone from 538, who wrote a piece about the Cleveland suburbs of Shaker Heights and Parma mm-hmm. and how. They had been more politically similar until the 2016 election when suddenly, like, fancy upscale Shaker Heights was, like, super blue. And Parma, like, went from being light blue to, like, kind of reddish. So it's using these two, like, Cleveland suburbs as a demographic analysis of, like, political change. So it's very cool. I got – the article was sent to me by – Uncle Dave, my my husband's uncle. Well, now he's my uncle because he's my family. Sure. Because um, they're, they're all from Cleveland. He was like, I think you'd think this interesting. And I was Aww. like, you're right. <laughs> you have got the right target audience. That's good. That's so, good. Thank you, Because usually when you Dave. get letters like that, you're like, no, I do not. <laughs> no, Uncle Dave always comes through. He's the best. <laughs> there was one time, this was many years ago, so I don't think this person listens to the show, but there was one time somebody like, you know, found my mom. I, like I first moved to Washington. I'm like, I need to talk to your daughter. I have some materials for her I'm like oh no and and <laughs> and he's like I have some material and it was ultimately I mean this is before the internet where these things were like you couldn't escape these kinds of materials but it's basically just like the office number and of like a member of Congress I'm like cool thing like, yep. <laughs> like, he like called me over the weekend I like I need to get this to you I'm like I don't need to know like what house number you know in office number in Rayburn so representative so and so is like that's not like inside information <laughs> I have but thank you though I have so, so anyway, that sounds better as of the last like 48 hours so I I have redone kristensoltisanderson.com from being like a f- outdated half broken possibly virusy tumblr blog to right. like an actual honest to god For, that you wrote when you were website. at the swamp <laughs> um, yeah uh <laughs> Uh, anyhow, <laughs> sorry. I set up a contact form just like, you know, in case people want to contact me. And so last night I went on Fox and already the contacts have started coming in. And now I'm like, hi, <laughs> do I want to leave this open? But I did. I got contacted by a Christopher Soltis sure, whose family comes good. from Slovakia. Okay. Wanted to know if possibly we're related. So I'm getting lots of lots of people coming into the into the DMs through my contact form. Can I tell you a story? I mean, I think it's okay to tell this on air. So I I don't know who's listening to the end anyway, but I was <laughs> in an event and somebody introduced me, this woman, and she's like, uh, my name is 
something Berkowitz. I'm like, oh, my mother's maiden name is Berkowitz. I'm like, maybe we're related. We had like a joke about it. I was like, oh, I hope it's okay. Are we getting too personal? I'm just like, I'm just sitting down, you know. um, I hope I'm not like freaking you out that I'm like gotten personal about our parents. And then 10 minutes later, I realize she is the wife of Jeff Guerin, who, Polster, who we both love, who's been a guest on the show. And I was like, no wonder we're friends because I like your husband. Yep. And so it was such a funny moment where I was like, I am immediately friends with this lady within like five seconds. You know, when you're like, I've decided we're friends. And it turns out, (laughs) oh, it's because I'm already friends with your husband. And it was so nice. And I saw Jeff the next day and he's like, you are now my wife's favorite pollster. (laughs) That's that's okay. That's a good place to be. That's a good position to be in. I was very, I was like, what a funny, anyway, there was more to the story, but it was quite a funny moment. Okay. What did we learn this week? No, that's it. I think we're done. We learned that you're talking on the trend line. Enjoy everybody's holidays. It was a little slow on the polling. I feel like it'll be more active next week. We'll Maybe. all be back. Oh, no, but over, because of the Easter holiday. Double, and Passover. That's right. There's lots of holidays going on. Where, yeah. Hmm, hmm. So I think there will be some pol- both pollsters and the We're doing some polled. expectation settings. The well, pollsters and I'm the polls gonna... are going to be on break. And you may not be here. So we don't know. But we may have an interview or... We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) It's going to be an adventure. We're going to keep you on the edge of your seats. We'll figure it out. They'll be fine. Okay, thanks. Bye.